I'm talking to him. Honestly, you know, can't even finish a conversation now. See you tomorrow. Looking well. Looking very well this morning, is Anthony. Nice to be company. Trust you well. Thursday morning in London town with a very grumpy Steve Allen. Let's see why I shouldn't be grumpy, actually. People sort of moan about it, but to be quite honest, it served me quite well over the years. It's not so much grumpy as been in a bad mood for 24 years. So I don't actually see any problem with it. And when I open up the papers and I read stupid stories about uh, Andre Agassi, who reckons that uh, in 1997 he was sipping crystal meth and then lied about it and said he was doing that to get over his split with Brooke Shields. And I'm thinking... I don't know know what I was thinking, actually. I was just thinking crystal meth. He had it put into a drink. So while he was playing, he was sipping it. And then when they asked him about it, he he lied and said, no, I didn't didn't do crystal meth. I mean, to be honest with you, I've never met anybody before who does crystal meth. I thought it was possibly the worst thing you could ever do. I mean, I've mainlined Haliborange tablets before now, but, uh, you know, don't want anybody to think the worse of me for that. Kept me going through some difficult, difficult cold periods. Anyway, being Thursday... It means that we will be going to Cyprus. We will be talking to Nathan Morley. We will be talking to Roger Foss. Yeah, we will be talking to Roger Foss at about... We, we, we think quarter past six would be a good time to talk to him. Uh, I will be reading the news at half past six, even though our Thursday guest will have no knowledge of me doing it. And that's why Paul Saver is back in again. Much. The ageing process has <laughs> finally kicked in. At least I didn't forget to ask you to go to the theatre Yes. Week. Oh, that's right. Dig that one up. Oh, because... Oh, I forgot one thing. One in, thing. In years, I forget one thing. Yeah, turn turn it round to you just a little yeah, bit. I didn't a little white. Yeah, it was right. Turn it. Way, no, 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 no. no, no. The whole thing turned. No, no, no. Other way. Other way. The other way. That's right. Oh, there we are. That's it. Yeah. That there you go. Much better. He's Sorry my I wish they put a blue dot on the front of it. Yeah, it's so, so much easier. It's very confusing because I don't know if I'm looking for a label, and uh, or anything. And they're, they're upside down anyway. I've decided. They are. It's clever, that, isn't it? We've, do you know, over the years, we've had microphones, as you know, because you've been in loads of places. They've either been suspended from the ceiling, I've had them on an angle poise, yeah. I've had them where you just move them in front of you, they were on little stands, like those on-air things. Mm. Then we've got these ones, which move in every different configuration. I've had them popping out of the desk, I've had them coming from the side, and there's one in Classic FM, which is on a series of pulleys. You've never seen anything like it. It literally has got <laughs> string and it goes over to the corner. So if you have a conversation with someone, you say <laughs> something and then it <laughs> flies over to your guest and then Do back you to remember you going in department stores years ago and they, they th- had, had, took, took your money and they put it in a little cylinder and whoosh, and whoosh it either went up in a compressed air thing or it went round the shop on a little railway. Yes. And they, we used to have a shop in Newbury. Unfortunately, I do. Do you remember that? Benyons we used to have in Newbury and had a little railway system and they would go whoosh like that. And this thing would travel round and then get to the woman the other side and she'd <laughs> put your change in and send it back again. Mm. Seems fair enough. The chavs would be planning a train crash if we started. Don't talk about chavs today. The papers are full of chavs. Full of chavs. People who fiddled benefit. There's also that stupid moron who actually is... His, he's unemployed... This is the man who advised his son to take no notice of teachers at school. The teacher said, listen, you do this. And he went, no, I'm not doing that. And they went, well, just get out of school. Then we're not going to waste our time. And the father went, he shouldn't have to do that if he doesn't want to. You think, small wonder, you prat, you're unemployed. Mm-hmm. And so. Kelvin McKenzie has lambasted him today with calling him the biggest moron he's ever met. No, well, there's a true. few more. It is stupid, a, isn't it? bit of discipline back in this country. Can you imagine if you'd gone home and told your parents when you were at school that, uh, that you'd refused to do something? You'd have got the biggest clout round the back of your head 
I'd have been marched around there and yes. made to do it. And made to apologise. You go back and you apologise to your teacher. Nowadays, I'm not doing that. Well, you are. Mm. I'll tell you, a bit more discipline at home might, might not go amiss. I think, uh, although people say, of course, you can't discipline children now because we're all mamby-pamby. You mustn't, mustn't hit children. Well, I'll tell you, the threat of it was always quite good enough. Well, it's quite know, good enough. I draw the line of child abuse, but, uh, you know, th- through uh, Yeah, but see, I think there's but... a difference between child abuse and exactly. giving somebody a smack. Exactly. You know, and... we should go, don't hit the back of my legs, it hurts. And also it's embarrassing when you go out and you get hit. Yes. But uh, I-, I do believe that that should be brought back. Absolutely. A didn't, bit of... didn't hurt us. I just sometimes look forward to a good thrashing. <laughs> just nearly said a little bit of spanking never hurt anybody, but you know what I mean. <laughs> but but the threat of it was the thing that that made you not do it again. True. That, that, that those immortal words from your mother. Wait till your father gets home, and that was it. She just left it. Yes, and walked but most in the kitchen of the time, they the don't know who their fathers are now. No, that is the problem, isn't it? It's a bit of a difficult one. Mind you, poor old Doreen. I say poor old Doreen. She's in uh, Hersham, and she went in to get some uh, some pear una. And she was told by the lady in Marks and Spencers, because that's one of their, their brands, mm-hmm. that, uh, that uh, she wanted uh, some, some dresses. And she was told that ladies don't wear dresses nowadays. And I, I hate to tell you, actually, Jordan, but they're not wrong. They're, 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 selli- they're not selling the sort of outfits you want to buy. The sort, of, the sort of shops they're expecting you to go to, to now are Evans and things like that, where they sort of do old-fashioned dresses. It's like if you go to, in fact, some friends of mine, the Rose family, they go up to Brinsworth and they take dresses up for the ladies at Brinsworth and they can pick what I call old-fashioned pleated dresses. Yes. You know, proper dresses that your mum would wear. wear. Ladies wear. Ladies wear. She wouldn't wear them next door. She's sort of leggings and sort of rah-rah skirts and stuff like that. I mean, but, but, (laughs) all right, I mean, they're not rah-rah skirts, but I mean, something like that. But these are proper... Dresses that you put on, and they've got pleats, <coughs> and they come. Well, maybe in. you do, but I certainly They're don't. They're lovely. But... Yeah, but lady, what, what do you, what do you expect your mother to wear? I mean, she would she not? No. She go around. She, she got one of those, those velour things with sort of you know elasticated tops in pink. <laughs> <laughs> Bet she has. Even my mother had one of those elasticated <laughs> things. <laughs> so, I mean, it was it was a yeah. bit young. But my mother had dresses. Well, when you get to a certain age, you need elastication, don't you? Listen, I remember buying jeans with elasticated sides. <laughs> Wearing some. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Well, no, I'm not. Don't think we'll pursue that one any further. <laughs> Listen, I've got a, a great event for you, which I'm going to tell you about later. It's a Remembrance Day concert, but with a cast of more than three hundred. You'll be wanting to go to this, and it's in a nice venue, which we've talked about before on the programme. Uh, plus, we take all your texts and emails. As I say, we will talk to lovely Roger Foss, and we will talk to Nathan Morley. We will go through the papers, and, uh, and we will come up with stories that, frankly, will make you just reach for a sick bag, because there's so many bad stories in the papers today, apart from the fact that Simon Bates came up to me yesterday and went, tragedy, tragedy. I said, what? Thinking he was referring to one of his shows. And he went, no, no, no. He said, she's leaving. What am I going to do? And I said, what? And he said, she's going. I'll have to watch Coronation Street. So I thought, well, the only thing... He didn't actually need to tell me what was happening. It only needed to be in the papers uh, this morning. And, of course, it was all over the television last night that Barbara Windsor is leaving EastEnders Mm. after 15 years. I can't believe she's been in it 15 years. I know. Doesn't time go quick? certainly does. Get out of my pub! (laughs) You know? (laughs) bit like that. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I've just seen something in the... Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, go on. And I've just seen something in the paper that I think is, uh, is a definite Steve Allen must. Oh, right. 
What is it? It's is something it? from Lidl. You know they come up with these things now and again. Is it a bargain? Or Lidl, to say. Lidl? Yes. And it's Lidl, apparently. Is it Lidl? Lidl. Well, whatever. It doesn't oh, matter. whatever. Anyway, it's a foot warmer and massager. Oh, this right. is like a, a, a furry pair of slippers. Oh, yeah. But they come above your ankles, but it's in one. You put both feet oh, in yes, one. Oh, yes, yes. And, um... <laughs> Oh, nice. It has two temperature settings and two massage settings. Oh, it massage. Oh, it's got a little yeah. motor in it then. Yes, and you can plug mm-hmm. it into your, <laughs> plug it into the mains <laughs> and stand on this thing. <laughs> and uh, they look very nice. I can imagine you wearing these watching. Yes, uh, I thought you might be able to. Watching yes. television. Do you know, I have started wearing slippers at home. Keeps my feet very warm. Oh, it's not quite attractive, actually. <laughs> I've only, only fifteen I've worn pounds for years. Yeah, I like wearing slippers. My, my godchildren every year buy me slippers. What to buy, old Uncle Steve? Slippers. It's not nice, is it? Well, there we are. You've got a new idea this year. <laughs> but you'll have to rush out to Lidl and get these. And, and uh, luckily, I might be... No, I, I can't today, because I've, I've got to go home, go a walk, and then come back into town later on this evening. And then tomorrow I'm going out for lunch, which is very exciting. Very much looking forward to that. A little bit of a seduction, I think. And uh, one here from, from Sally who says, you got me into coach trip when I lived in Europe and I was really pleased to see it here on TV. I'm halfway through session three with Tom and Matt. I watched most of the episodes. I do like it, actually, coach trip. All the ones that they're showing at the moment are repeats because I'm not sure whether or not they're doing another series. And we also got a repeat of Come Dine. Did you watch Come Dine with me? Yes. Did you watch the one where they had a lady who was only young but terribly grand and didn't think she was going to like this Moroccan woman who obviously lived off the Edgware Road but cooked the most lovely food. And then there was a rather, I don't know, I thought he was just a slightly affected young man with blonde hair who wore a raincoat and, and said, you know, if you ate with your fingers at La Gavroche, they would, they would not welcome you. And I thought, you've quite clearly never been to La Gavroche <laughs> at all. And he was sort of set because one of the men was eating um, little, little lamb... Watsits. What do they call them? Lamb Rack of Watsits. lamb. Rack, yes, lamb's Watsits. <laughs> Rack of Watsits. lamb. And, and he was eating them with his fingers at the end, which I've done. Yeah. Loads of times you pick it up and you get all... The, and he said, you wouldn't, be, you wouldn't be allowed in La Gavroche if you ate with your fingers. And I thought, it was so stupid. <laughs> of course you would. <laughs> then you imagine, the, the Queen goes into La Gavroche and happens to pick up... They get yeah. uh, out. Out! They're not going to do that, are they? He quite clearly was one of these little stuck-up children who didn't know anything at all but pretended he did. I don't think I've seen that one anyway. Oh, you have to watch it. to look forward to. Well, the sun that was just driving you mad. Oh, I know. Oh, dear. I know. (coughs) There was one with a queen in Manchester who had a flat. That I saw. Did you see? I did. Dear, some of them. I mean, it's just... (laughs) Why put yourself up for these programmes? But it is good. I do like it. I do like it. Uh, Liz uh, works in uh, south-east London for an MOT garage. And she says, I returned from lunch to find my laptop was taken from the office. Uh, next door, saw the man running away with the laptop. We chased him, didn't get him. I got a lot of valuable stuff. Two MOT testers doing an MOT at the time. And this person just walks into the office, unplugs it and walks out. Uh, they do it all the time, I'm afraid. I, you know, there's, it's, they, they, they do it. In fact, there was a guy the other day who saw a shoplifter, and he, um, he tackled him because he walked in there again, and the shoplifter attacked him. The last thing he remembers being clumped on the back of the head because he was about to stop the shoplifter. He goes, out, out. Goes on all the time, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, Liz, it happens. All you have to do is make sure that, A, you've... I don't know, even if you back everything up, it doesn't help, does it? You can't 
doesn't, can't do anything about it. But that's what people do now. People thieve. The, the answer is, I, even when I'm in the car driving through London, I never, ever not have the doors unlocked. Uh, uh, sorry, I always have the doors locked. Mm. Just for the simple reason, I've seen people breaking into cars at traffic lights while somebody's sitting there. And I'll tell you the, uh, the process in a moment. Paul will have some great stories. And, uh, and I will tell James Whale what's in the papers this morning. <laughs> OK? <laughs> All of that coming up after this. The news headlines, postal workers across the country are on strike for the second time in a week. Today, thousands in sorting offices are walking out after days of talks between their union and Royal Mail broke down. The government's chief drug advisor has sparked controversy by claiming ecstasy, LSD and cannabis are less dangerous than both alcohol and cigarettes. And the family of a British couple feared kidnapped by pirates off Somalia have been warned they have little choice but to pay a ransom. Let's have a check on the uh, state of the roads. Always brings a smile to my face in the morning for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> Hugh Broom. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, we shall start with Mitchum, the A23, the London Free. Right, here we go. Just for the benefit of James Whale, who incidentally has been out in the woods uh, with Pooh, Tigger, Eeyore, Piglet, the usual crowd, and he's been collecting stuff for my wreath. I'm hoping it's to the you're my... planning to die. Well, exactly. <laughs> I'm hoping it's for the front door for Christmas. Because he said he, he actually twines twigs together. Comes as no surprise to me. Anyway, the... the <laughs> willow. Willow swatch. Now, what was that name? There was, there was somebody called Willow, wasn't it? Willow something in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a book. Was it Buffett? No, it was a funny name. It was... Was it in Harry Potter... Willow Titmarsh, come over here. Or something like that. I can't remember any. can't remember. Anyway, uh, the stories today that, you, that you're going to be covering, James. First of all, Barbara Windsor quitting EastEnders, OK, to spend more time with her husband. Uh, they've cured the dribble at the end of the teapot, which is in the mail today, which is... You, the, the problem is, you know, you pour out, mm. and there's always a drip at the end, isn't there, James? You know that. And it's just... Well, they've cured that. They've actually made it a little bit thinner, the spout. And that's it. And that is the thing that cures hundreds of years. How many gallons of tea have we wasted over the years? Exactly. The other thing is, poor old Cheryl Cole, um, no shrinking violet, but she doesn't want to be seen by the public, so they put in plans for an underground swimming pool because they didn't want aeroplanes flying over taking photographs of her and her husband frolicking in the pool uh, because they want their privacy. Mm -hmm. This is the couple who sold their wedding to OK for one and a half million. Yes, and but that was to... then, and this is now. It's different. They're still courting publicity. Anyway, they've been turned down. I Guildford know. Council have said, no, you can't have that. Uh, Why and... don't they just put an outdoor swimming pool with a lid on it? Absolutely! You know, Absolutely! I totally agree. And Abby Titmus mm. is playing Lady Macbeth, as revealed exclusively on this programme some time ago. Uh, well, actually, on an in-conversation. And the... Uh, the artistic director, John Hales, of the Seagull Theatre, Lowestoft, <laughs> the Seagull Theatre, says, we're lucky to have such a dedicated, talented, powerful and classy actress working with us. I totally agree. I've seen her porno. She's very talented, very classy, and if not a little bit ambidextrous in it. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, other stories which you will be covering. Caroline Quentin is going into the bill to save it. To save it. To save the bill. I mean, I don't know what, you know, with all due respect to Caroline Quentin. Didn't realise it was in dire straits. Well, I didn't well, think it was either. Anyway. It is now Graham Cole's not there. Uh, they've lost Stephen Gately's will. They don't know where that is. And Danny Minogue, dreary little Danny, has turned up on the television in another boring Piers Morgan interview. Dreadful woman. Uh, dreadful woman. Only because they can't get Kylie. So if you can't get Kylie, you get Danny. And all you do is you talk about Kylie. And that's, that's all. Right. She, she, she broke down and she talked about 
Carly's cancer find. You know, to be honest with you, she must have known she was going to be asked about it. They're not asking you on there to talk about your mentoring of stupid actors on the television. They're on there to ask questions about Kylie. No, who is Kylie more famous. through it and she's fine, so... Yeah, exactly. You know. And emerged the other side. She also talks about how she didn't have any money and she had to sort of, you know, sell stories to make, make ends meet. A bit Boy, tragic, isn't it? I mean, as if, as if we care... As if we care. Paul. Steve. Another one for James. Parents and teachers in China protesting after a sculpture of a tiny girl with giant breasts was installed in a city park. No, you like this one, James. (laughs) (laughs) You would too. The sculpture depicts a 20-centimetre-tall girl with breasts that are five metres high and five metres wide. Um, Parents have protested at the installation in Foshan City, which they say is highly embarrassing. One local man called Liang complained the park used to be a great place for families, but now what attracts my son there is the huge breasts. James will identify with that. <laughs> I have tried to educate him with some scientific knowledge, but all he thinks when he sees them are smutty thoughts. <laughs> and the kindergarten teacher who brought her classes to visit the park said it shocked them, some of them, to tears, and they no- will not return now. No. It's terrible, really. Dreadful. Actually, on the subject of lowest stock... like the picture. I do like the... Oh, that's <laughs> nice. That's attractive. <laughs> you could have that on the top of your car, James. It'd look very attractive, wouldn't it? <laughs> Apparently, Matthew Schofield worked in Lowestoft for two years. So difficult, isn't it? How long do you want the deck chair for? An hour? How long? Two An hour, years. two hours? How long? OK, there's a ticket for the pound. Thank you. <laughs> Mivies, ice creams. I drove out to Hearn Bay at, on Friday. Yeah. For what reason? <laughs> I'd pick up some records that I'd bought. Oh, in Hearn Bay. Bay. I didn't oh, want right. to trust them to the post office. All oh, right. And I drove down the coast a little bit to Whitstable, where I'd never been before. Oh, famous for oysters. Famous for oysters. The oyster uh, place is still there. Yes. And it's absolutely beautiful. Pretty, I think I might it? go back in the summer and stay there for they a They brought days. in some Whitstable oysters for me one year when they were doing, um, I think for Valentine's Day, they were trying to make oysters, which are an aphrodisiac. Well, of course. Well, I had three, and frankly, I just wanted to be sick. I didn't actually think about doing anything else at all. I couldn't bear them. Really? I really couldn't bear them. I mean, the fact it was... I didn't like them at all. Michael this, Pierre White this, does them with champagne foam, and they're I fabulous. I don't care. I cannot eat them. You open them up, and they've got sand in. No, they haven't. Oh, they're horrid. <laughs> they're ho- don't ever have them, ladies and gentlemen. They not They'll horrid. make you sick. You won't think they about lovemaking. They were. They're not an aphrodisiac at all. It's rubbish. They're just trying to make make no, them they, interesting. They're not an aphrodisiac, but you will think about having another oyster. And they're they're nice if they're done properly. They're if they're not cleaned and they've got sand in them, yes, they're not very nice. Perhaps but you're supposed to chew them to make the, the effect even more luck because that means they're alive. Well, it all depends how you have them. Oh. If they're cooked, they're not alive. God, I can't think of anything. Some have worse. them. Some have them raw. Some have them cooked. Uh, mussels, I can do just about. <laughs> Because, I could ju- because th- those, are, those are easy to cook. Because you put them in the pan, and when they open up, you know they're, they're ready. The truth is, they're trying to get out of the pan. They're not happy, are they, mussels? They want to get out. My, my, my goddaughter, Charlotte, can eat platefuls. I used to say to her, you're not going to eat all of those, are you? And she'd go, yes, Uncle mm. Stephen. She would devour, like, 30, 40 of them at any one time. I like mussels as well. Do you? Mm. Oh, no. It's like cockles you and whelks. These, these ones eat... Oh! But you're vegetarian. Yeah, when she was oh, a right. kid. Okay. She was all right then. I see. But these boil-in-the-bag ones that you get in the supermarket are not bad at all. Yes, they're okay. T- um, um, Iceland do those. You drop them in the hot water. That's right. And they're d- But even so, yuck, yuck, yuck. No, they're not yeah, yuck, no, they're yuck, not yuck. Yuck. They don't taste of anything. Yes, oh, they very- do. No, they don't. You they taste them of- with garlic sauce. Oh, they taste my. Gorgeous. And some oh. crusty bread. Oh, yuck. Really good. 
Ooh, horrid, horrid. Uh, James says, you're quite right about the sculpture. Sounds like his kind of woman. <laughs> <laughs> you love it. Last time I was listening to this programme. I'll leave the story in your Dropbox for some Yes, it, we'll leave the story for you. But there is another story. Do you remember we told you a while ago? Because I'm very funny about eating in places in London. And places that should be absolutely spotless turn out not to be spotless. You remember the story of the TGI Fridays in Covent Garden. Mm -hmm. Westminster Council said it had the filthiest kitchens they'd seen in years, and they were fined something like 20,000. The Café Royal's kitchens were closed down because of cockroaches and mice. Now, over the road from here, up on 13 charges, including mice droppings, a cockroach walking across the counter... Where do you think this one is? A place that you would imagine would be spotless. The KFC at Leicester Square. 13 counts of, uh, of, of black grease caking bread roll containers, trays of raw chicken, a cockroach. Cro- I mean, I don't actually see how it's possible. But unfortunately, this area of London is filthy because of fast food places. So you can only hazard a guess. If these big places have got this problem... What some of the other places must be like. I oh, mean, yeah, I'm sure we have no idea what goes on. We probably wouldn't. I'm, I'm, to be honest with you, I'd rather not know. Because you, you trust these places without thinking. It's like, I remember years ago, somebody telling me, and it, it might or might not have been James Whale, or it might have been Mike Dickin, don't ever take a can of Coke and open it and put it to your lips and drink it. The reason being, they're stored in warehouses, rats go over them and urinate... Okay, over all these cans, and what you're doing is you're just adding to it, and it's all it's all fizzy drinks, anything that's a fizzy drink, but but sweet drinks in particular, they sit there, and there are you are never more in London than six feet away from a rat. Even in this building, we have mice, thousands running across the ceiling at the moment, <laughs> <laughs> and they're and they're all over the place, you know, holding up the walls. I shouldn't wonder. Thousands. Thousands. Of, we've even got a mouse box in the corner. Yes, I know. I noticed. But that. how does it get in here? Where? Mouse. I mean, where is the gap for the, the mouse? The kill man brought it in. Yes, I know that. But but why why put it there? You're assuming that the mouse can actually get into this room. We are hermetically sealed. You'd have to prize me out with a can opener. You can. I mean, there's no gaps under this skirting board. I don't like it. I'm terrified of mice. We caught well, one years ago. Maybe it comes in when you open the door. Oh, don't say that. Don't. I mean, I'm assuming because the floors are raised that they will be living underneath here in their little houses and, you know, probably got shops and mm. an amusement park and things like that. You're right. Well, come out to play Well, I nice. lived in Marylebone. We, we regularly used to get the smell of a dead rat under the floor yes. in, the, in the basement. Yeah. But because London, that's what, too many fast food places, too much food. I mean, I've been out in daytime and I went to... Who did I go out with? Might have been John Warrington. We walked just up the road... Mm. And a rat ran across the road in front of us. Oh, yeah. And you think, it's quite normal. So quite normal for them to get into fast food places. Well, it's because of the fast food... Well, mainly because of it's the fast because, food places and people yeah. discarding food everywhere. That's what attracts them. Yes. It's horrible, isn't it? It's, it's just not very nice. Have you got a quickie for me? Oh, oh no, you no, haven't got enough time for a no. quickie. You'll have to save a quickie. There is a, a very sad story. They found some diaries from a soldier who was in the trenches. Very sad. I'll read those mm. in a sec. LBC 97.3 Morning team, nice to have you come. Oh, sorry, I'm not allowed to say that. We've been forbidden 
uh, from saying morning team. Why? Well, because in some parts of the world it might not be morning, and that offends people. And also <laughs> team infers that because if you aren't in a team, it means you're a loner, and it means that you might be offended as well. Yes, but everybody li- listens to this programme or our team. Yes, but, but, that, but apparently some people aren't in, aren't in our team. Well, they are. And, well, I know they are, but the, uh, they're, they're now clamping down on, uh, on what you can you say. You are joking. Can. I'm serious. The police have been told, don't say evening all. Because that might offend somebody. Seriously. It's your catchphrase, you're going to say. I know, you see, I think morning team is all right, but for those people who aren't in a team... Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You can be in our team. You can be in our team today, okay? In our team, you know, do you want to be in our team? You can. Can't sing that anymore. Now, (laughs) exactly. Strangely enough, uh, Paul, just before we talk to to Nathan, did Mm. see these diaries the other day, these uh, War Heroes Amazing Diaries, throwing new light on life in the trenches, because they're online. Yes. And he, he talks about, we had some steak and chips, that was very nice, now we're knee-deep in water. Uh, we've got a little mouse with us in a cage, which they which is kept alive, but until the gas gets bad, if the mouse dies, then they know they're in trouble. Yeah. And he says, you've only got to show your head over the top, and literally, he said, you just get blown up. He said, there's arms and legs sticking out of the dirt everywhere. These uh, grenades are really bad. He said, and we have actually shouted, you know, to the German trench, come on over! And the Germans shouted back, no blooming fear. But there was a <laughs> no sniper. No blooming fear. No blooming fear. I can't imagine the Germans shouting that back. Nine! Nine! <laughs> nine blooming fear! I'm sort of counting how many, how many people had shot. Einstein, fear. <laughs> yes. It makes more sense, doesn't it? But it's a fascinating <laughs> insight into what the boys had and, and what they wrote mm. and, and how... He actually died, I think. Well, he, he, he survived the war and was awarded the Military Cross, but he died of TB, age 37. So, you know, having survived the trenches and everything else, then he dies at the end of something like tuberculosis. Yeah, Awful, really, isn't it? You need to go to the Imperial War Museum. I've said before, it is, it, it's not a, a museum that celebrates war. It shows you what people went through. And if you've never been through anything like that, and you've never lived through it, there'll be thousands of people listening at the moment who'll tell you exactly what it was like in London during the war with the bombs going over and the blackouts and the noise and, the, you know, and you didn't know if you were coming back to a house or if you were coming back to rubble and sleeping in school halls and sleeping in the underground. Loads of people listening who went through that. Uh, not Nathan Morley, it has to be said. Nathan Morley no, no. never went good, through mo- good, good morning. Good morning. How lovely <laughs> no, to no. hear from you. Uh, lovely to be on your broadcast. Uh, no, I didn't uh, uh, live through the Second World War, uh, which was a fairly horrific time. You know, I'm from that generation of people who weren't really involved in any kind of conflict, which is nice. It's a nice place to be. Yeah. No conscription, yeah. no... no. Well, I mean, we OK, we have the threat of uh, Iran and Korea and, you know, you know the global warming, mm. poverty, all of this sort of thing, but nothing which would mean me getting into a uniform and actually, you know, lifting my bum. So I'm quite... Uh, <laughs> I'm quite fine about that. Do you have to lift your bum? Is that, well, is that I'd, have to get off this, I'd have to get off this seat first. <laughs> right. Oh, I see. Yes. I'd have to have a special uniform tailored for my for my for my rather unusual frame. Yeah. And uh, no, no, I, I don't think I can I'd, do that. I wouldn't want to do it. But on the other hand, I think if you actually join up. Uh, even if it's not a war situation, down in Colchester, that's why there's so much tension and friction around there, because they actually train people up for war and then they expect them to sit around doing nothing. Yeah, yeah. And it well, must we be have really a, difficult. 
I see these guys uh, most days. In fact, because this is a this is a country which sadly is uh, involved in many conflicts. One of them is that the British bases here, and as I think I touched on last week, many of the troops you send to Afghanistan and their families are here. Um, not far, and I see them most days when I when I drive through the Decalia Army base. And I think they're, they're terribly brave, to be honest with you, especially mm. their wives and kids who sit here for three or four months while they're on tour. Mm. You know, li- literally listening to every radio news bulletin to see if anything's happened. Yeah. Uh, you know, because they, they lost, I mean, one regiment, I think they lost 14 guys this year, and yes. some of them were based on his. So, yeah, t- I mean, you've, you, you have to admire the, the, simply, I mean, it sounds so corny, the bravery of these people, knowing that when they get on a Hercules, they may not be coming back to their wives and kids. And it's easy to say, but I mean, if you actually think about it, it is quite, uh, it is quite moving, really, how, how uh, solid these guys are. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, looking at the, the pictures of the boys coming back in their, in their coffins and the families lining the route, and mm. it's just, you, you cannot imagine all that. I mean, some of these wives who've only recently been married, yeah. you know, waiting, and, and that's the welcome back. Somebody that they've only been married to for a very short time, and they come back in a box, and that's I know. It's so final. It is, it is awful. I, I, I really feel the, the, the tension these wives and kids go through. Because, as you know, there, because you came from a forces community yourself, you mm. know what it's like being on a base, mm. don't you? You know, with the, the families, it's a small community, everybody's in the same boat. Mm. And there is this, um, every television and radio bulletin they have to listen to, uh, you know, there's a whisper, something's happened in Afghanistan, they have to find out more. It must just be living on a knife edge mm. for, for months until you see your, you know, your husband or your wife come back. Bearing in mind, there are quite a few women out there, you know, serving as well. Yes, yes. Mind so, you, I, I've uh, had various friends over the years, as you must have done, who've worked for BFBS. Yeah, yeah. yeah they've they, sort of they been do. out there. Well, they do a tremendous job because they do broadcast to Afghanistan. I mm. mean, and they have, they have um, a radio station in Kabul. So they actually send out their, their DJs and their presenters and technicians and all, all of their teams to the most, you know, dangerous places. I yes. remember during the Gulf War, they were out there on the Kuwaiti-Iraqi border, uh, beaming in entertainment. And you, you, uh, you, the DJs are just as brave as the soldiers, I think. Yes, I agree. I agree. I mean, I, I've never been flown in a Hercules. I'm sort of out to meet the uh, the troops. I suspect we could cure all wars if we sent Jordan out to Helmand Province, though, as we've said well, before. Well, they banned it, didn't they? Yes, thank God for that. I think she just did it as a publicity stunt. I think she had no intention of going out there. I think they went, listen, wh- wh- why don't you say you'll go out and entertain the troops? Because, to be honest with you, what can she possibly do unless... Well, anyway. I, I was um, going to say, entertain the troops. Now, there's a whole picture coming into my mind. Here, take it out. Logistic- take it out immediately. It could be a logistical nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was quite happily financed for Jordan to go go to Helmand province. Yes, we would too. In fact, There's actually, there, there are a number of things we're saving up for. We're also saving up for uh, Vernon Kay and Tess Daly to go to America and stay there, which is right, quite nice good. of us. That, that's very good. So we're all There's very a- happy. There's a guy I saw on the television the other day. I've seen him a few times now, and I would like to, to slap him uh, with, with, with some sort of brush. Um, his name is Cock or Gok or something. He does oh, a program well, where... Oh, Gokwan. Yeah, honestly, he sounds like Alan Freeman uh, in every line. You know I adore Alan Freeman, but it, you've got beautiful bum, my darling, and he goes into this kind of DJ talk every yes. few minutes. It could be a mixture of Simon Bates and Alan Freeman. Going, oh, just look at that, right? Not off. And I've... 
<laughs> oh, my Lord. Oh, my darling. And he's very touchy-feely. And I say, you know, he reminds me of the guy off that antique show, Lost at Cash in the Attic, touchy-feely. I think, oh, it drives me up the wall. Oh, I, I actually cannot bear one of the antique people. I can't remember. Paul somebody. He's got a dog. That's all That's I know. Very- Sorry? Paul Attenborough? No, no, not Paul Attenborough. I can't remember what his name is now. Paul something. But he also touches all the women. He's a little bit like, um, um, uh, Ainsley Harris. What, Ainsley? Harriet. Ainsley Harriet. He touches yeah. people as well. I want to say, get yeah. your hands off. Don't touch yeah. me, please. It's just not nice. <laughs> no, Ooh. it's not. Horrible. I'm- I'm not sure about this form of entertainment where women, uh, you know, uh, go through kind of psychotherapy and, uh, and uh, they have to stand in front of a mirror and the big climax of the show is will they stand at the bullring centre in Birmingham and take their knickers off in front of a crowd? Yes. I don't really get it. I'm sorry. The answer I, I is they will because it's got one. <laughs> <laughs> and he's... I used to hate him. But to be honest, if you actually listen to what he says, he, he actually makes a lot of sense. And the one thing that you can always fool women over is fashion. You can get them to wear anything from tents to leggings to, you know, all sorts of things. Women are far more funny about the clothes that they put on than men. Women will spend hours. Men will go in, I want a shirt, shirt. Uh, what, what's your collar? I don't know. Big. big. Here, look. It's just <laughs> doing up there. And that's all it is. Uh, Women will spend hours trying to hold it up in front of them, taking it down. Does this colour go with this colour? And they still get it wrong. Uh, no, he's... Uh, I mean, look, uh, I, I'm sure he's doing a great service to some people without <laughs> confidence and obviously making a lot of money to boot. Mm. It's just the... If next time you watch him, just look, look for the... It just sounds like Fluff... Is, maybe Fluff Freeman's reincarnated in part of him. Why don't in, you in, take uh, the uh, the programme to Cyprus and do it yourself? I'm sure you No, no, I, I, I have, uh, you know, uh, uh, I have a, a, a fairly serious television programme here. <laughs> as, you know, obviously I can't have women in their bras and knickers. Um... <laughs> You know, Not with, through with lack me of going, trying. <laughs> with, with me going, oh, you've got a lovely bum, my darling. And, you know. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you could. <laughs> I could try. I could pitch the idea. I think, you know, I think you'd do very well in it. I mean, I think you'd quite like that. Do you think so? Yes. Well, you know, my, my, my odd, odd uh, fling with light entertainment has always ended in disaster, I'm afraid. You know, I yeah, think it's but, best. you know, worth trying again. Well, I, well, thank you for that. I, I mean, uh, I'm sure a little fat balding bloke pointing at women's bums, you know. <laughs> well, there was a little fat balding bloke on the BBC that was a, a, a political correspondent or something and did Strictly Come Dancing. Oh, and yes. now he's got his own quiz show. You could, you know. Oh, I want a, I want a quiz show. Yes, please. No, you, you don't just, want a quiz show. Can, uh, oh, no, I'd love a quiz show. Oh, more boring. horizons. No, quiz shows no, are no. dull. It's, but the, uh, people think, oh, I'll do a quiz show, I'll do a quiz show. And you've got to be so good to be able to do a quiz show. No, I'd like a quiz show. Well, I'll give it a go. I mean, last week I was sent off for breakfast television here to interview a stem cell scientist. Oh. I mean, this is how bad things are in my career right now. Yes. I've been talking for half an hour on breakfast television about stem cells. (laughs) Now, at that point, a quiz show looks like the Everest of entertainment for me. Yes, you're right, it does. (laughs) Well, if you're interested in stem cells, watch the BBC Horizon programme on BBC iPlayer this week. It is fascinating. They had a heart that they'd created in a test tube beating. 
This it's is the problem, Amazing Paul. stuff. I, I'm not interested in them. And you would be if you watched this programme. I was sad with Dr. Lawrence Petz, one of the leading authorities in the world on stem cells, and he was giving me a briefing, and I'm not joking with you, I had to keep myself awake by, you know, pinching my hand. <laughs> yeah, it was that bad. And then we had to do the cutaways where I looked interested. <laughs> well, yeah, I can believe that, but, uh, but watch this programme. Seriously, watch it. <laughs> I, I think I'll stick to whatever his name is, Wim Gok or Docky Dock. Gok Win. Uh, no, Gok Wim. Wow. Is he Dutch? <laughs> No, I think, he's, oh. I think he's Chinese. Is he really? Yes, okay. he's Oriental of yes, some Yes, he's definitely... Some kind. I think Singaporean or something like that, yeah. All right, OK, but You can okay. see that. You can see he looks... He is the Chinese. The other one, there's this, uh, I know we're out of time, this uh, Ruth Watson's Hotel Rescue. Have you seen this? Oh, is she the Ruth... hotel inspector? No, no, she's a, she's a, an Similar. expert with over 25 years' experience in the hotel business. I'm waiting for her to rescue a hotel now, because each <laughs> week she just kind of potters around making comments like, oh, a dirty carpet. Oh. Are you sure you don't want to put it? Uh, honestly, it's the most disappointing show I've ever seen. Very, very sad about Channel but, but 4. But we, we are in the era of the expert now. You know, you have badly behaved children, you don't try and sort it out yourself, you go to a TV show, and the TV show send round some numpty, they'll come round and tell you how to, to look after your children. You've got a dog who's behaving badly, they'll send round a dog whisperer. Yeah, yeah. Everywhere we are, we're experts. Well, it's a crackers country you live in. I mean, uh, mm. we, we haven't watched British TV for a long time, but one week with Channel 4, and we're yeah. never coming back. <laughs> no, I, to, to be honest with you, they do put the, the oddest people on television. And unfortunately now, it, it's people, not just Channel 4, but they're all doing it because they're trying to fill up programmes cheaply. So they'll trawl daytime television chat shows, and they'll go, wait a minute, you've actually fathered seven children with seven different women, Let, let's put you on television. They don't bother to unravel it, they just think, we'll put you on television... So the public will hate you, and we, we get a big audience, and that means we, we've made a television programme. Yeah, yeah. There's, all there's no attempt to try to unravel the mystery of why, of why this person is like this. You know, bloody good slapping and cutting his bits off, I think, would be the answer, as far as I'm now concerned. Now, that sounds like a good TV show title. Bloody good slapping and cutting their bits off with yes, Steve Allen. I totally <laughs> agree. <laughs> Steve Allen sorts out the world. Now, here comes Steve with his bloody big knife. <laughs> after the break. Everybody yes, hide. After the break. <laughs> more young men speaking with very high-pitched voices. But at least no more unwanted children. Uh, because he sorted that out before the break. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, I tell you. I've, I've often thought, actually, you know, just sort of public executions on the television. Now, wouldn't that be We'd super? We'd get huge audiences. Start off with the Parliament. Yes, we can start <laughs> off we're working with the Prime Minister down, and, um, and then we get round to foreign correspondents, you know, depending on how the we feel. Foreign correspondents. I think we should put that one on hold, chew it over lunch. I See think how that's it goes. a very good idea, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. Have a lovely week, guys. God bless you. Oh. Bye. Yasu. Yasu? What was that? Yasu? <laughs> oh, so, yeah, oh, that, we think Yasu is goodbye, actually. <laughs> Nathan Morley, our man in Cyprus. He's back same time next week. News headlines. These are the stories. Postal workers are back on picket lines across the country this morning, the start of a fresh wave of strikes. Peace talks between Royal Mail managers and unions collapsed last night. Families of 14 servicemen killed in a Nimrod plane crash are demanding resignations at the very top after a report accused the MOD of sacrificing safety for cost cuts. The government's chief drugs advisor has sparked controversy by claiming ecstasy, LSD and cannabis are less dangerous than alcohol and cigarettes. Let's have a check on the state of the roads for you this morning. With his finger on the pulse, it's Hugh Broom. Thank you very much, Steve. Uh, if you are heading up towards Ethridge...
Twelve minutes to six is the time. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Being Thursday, we've spoken to Nathan Morley. Lovely chap, you know. Lovely chap. You can find him on Cyprus Television. And uh, flogging you a dodgy villa. Flogging you dodgy villas and everything else. <laughs> In fact, I think they're all old programmes. Was that, was that the serious TV programme he was talking well, about? Well, you know, he seems to have two programmes, but there again, you know, anybody who's got a shop over there gets a TV programme. <laughs> I want to turn up on his doorstep one day. I just want to turn up and go, Hello! And he'll go, go, Who are you? I'm out! <laughs> <laughs> he'll throw himself in the pool. Uh, so we've talked to Nathan. We'll talk to um, Roger Foss. Yes, we're doing very well so far this week. <laughs> <laughs> so far, they've all turned up on dime. And Paul Saver is here. Yes. And, uh, and uh, Noreen hopes you're well. I am. Thank you, Noreen. You're very well. And she says, Do you know what hours you're doing over the festive season? I think you may have said... <laughs> Said you were doing six till ten, but I listened to so many old podcasts and maybe getting muddled with the previous year. No, I'm doing. I tell you what, I'm doing this year. I'm normal, as, that's as normal as it can be, up until Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Christmas Eve, I think, is Thursday. Christmas right. Day is Friday. So for those two days, I'm doing six till ten. Okay, six till ten for Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. Then I'm off on the Saturday because we're going horse racing. Me and the God Kids. And uh, then on the Sunday, I'm on normal 8 till 11. And then the following week, the Monday, all the way through Friday, 6 till 10 again. Plus, I've also got extended uh, in-conversation. <laughs> yes, lucky. Uh, <laughs> careful. Uh, extended in-conversations. There's a special three hours. And then there's a compilation, I think, in the mornings as well. So there's quite a bit. Quite a bit going on. It's over the festive season. So the, the, the good news is that we're live at LBC. We're live. None of this. Just. Yes, only just, I shall only, only just be live at the I'm end of the, four hours. Myself. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing for Christmas? You're you away for I'm Christmas. Here. Oh, you're here. I'm here. Oh, there you so go. I'll be to, with you. You have to pop in. <laughs> yes, I'll be with you on uh, pop in for the hours. Oh, right. Of course you will. Yeah. Christmas Eve. I hope it snows. And then New Year's Eve. And then New Year's and Eve. Go home and go to sleep. Oh, I, I, I avoid New Year's Eve now. Anthony's on uh, New Year's Eve as well. I love that Roy, Roy Nicholas writes to us here. He, he's, he's something very big in the building. He looks after different things. And every day we get a funny email from him. And yesterday's, would you believe it, said Bobby Brown's concert's been cancelled. Doesn't surprise me, really, after seeing Whitney. I would have been surprised if they allowed him to fly. Looks like Corrie tonight. A up. <laughs> <laughs> writes these things all the time. What with him and Courtney in this building? <laughs> They're all mad, you know. Mad as brushes. Whitney just didn't seem to be on this She wasn't planet. on the planet, was she, really? No. No. Although, though strangely enough, she's doing... Uh, she's doing the O2. She's playing mm. the O2, and I'm thinking, how's she managing that? She's probably saying concert? Yeah, concert? you're doing a concert, love. Have You haven't seen the Michael Jackson thing yet, have you? Uh, no. No. But I am going at the weekend. You are, you, oh, right, you are going to go and see. Yes. Doesn't really interest me, actually. Uh, uh, Steve, loving the programme. Premiership footballers have been told to stop spitting on the pitch because of the risk of swine flu. Well, it's not just footballers. I think everybody should be told to stop. I see people doing it all the time. I was waiting for a bus the other day. And uh, this bloke goes past on a cycle, the other side of the road, and he spits. And I felt like, excuse me, what are you doing? I know, and, it, and it's Filthy one of the reasons habit. for the rise in TB in this oh, country. Dear me, it's just people spitting, appalling. What is the matter with people? I've seen it when we used to live in Hong Kong. It used to make me feel physically ill. Yes. where people clear their noses and everything oh, else. Yes, yes. Oh, but it's, you know, dear. at least there's an excuse there. It's part of the culture, and, and you know, <laughs> it's still not pleasant. <laughs> no, it's not pleasant, but uh, not you know. nice. 
We just don't do but that. But why kind do of you, thing get, you get kids standing there with their silly little dirty, dirty hoodies on, going, and you think, oh, and then these girls go well, and kiss them? Tough, isn't it? But it doesn't. It just looks stupid. And dirty. Yeah, I know. It just looks stupid. Generally, the uh, I was going to say the lower classes, but I mean, it, it, it's, well, it is. It is lower class. You don't. You didn't find the Queen Mother standing there spitting? Ridiculous. Uh, Steve. Mark the bailiff is up. That's good news. Joyce in Finchley has uh, has got a birthday. So there you go. If your name's not Joyce, it's not your birthday. I was walking down Brick Lane and uh, and saw a rat. You can get they're everywhere within six feet in London. You you are because they live underground. They live overground. When we had all the rubbish piled up in Leicester Square, the rats were just oh, openly yeah. running about all over the place. So there you brazenly. go. Brazenly, brazenly walking about. Brazenly. <laughs> uh, Willow was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Thank you. Uh, and Earth li- uh, is that noise out there? <laughs> uh, and Lynn says, both you and Paul, absolutely right about kids. Before you shout at me, I feel sorry for children today, either totally mollycoddled or feral. Mm. And, that's, and that's what it comes True. down to. My mum didn't wear dresses unless they were glam, says Dee. She wore very trendy but appropriate tops and... Um, what was the other thing she wore? She wore tops and trousers. She'd hate frumpy frocks, but I love slippers and PJs. <laughs> Nothing like it. Yes. I have my lounging pants, which is a very, very don't old... Don't have lounging pants. Very, very tell old me you don't pair have... of tracksuit oh, bottoms tell that me you are don't. just comfy. Really? Yeah, that you can lie around in in the evening. I have a friend of mine who does that. Gets into bed way. every night and puts an old T-shirt on. Mm. Whereas I was thinking, as, as sort of the winter gets up, because I haven't worn pyjamas for about... I wouldn't like to imagine how many years. 30, 40 years? Yes. 40 years. I only wore them when I moved up to London because I had a bed sit... And it was blooming cold. <laughs> the window had a crack in it, and you know, sometimes <laughs> you'd wake up in the morning and the ice was on the inside of the window. I it was you that. Telling me about this? Oh, it was that bad. Mm. I mean, it really was. My, my little bed was in the kitchen because Just to keep warm. To keep warm. So you turn the gas. Yeah, that's ring right. On. I'd wake <laughs> up in the morning and turn the gas ring on, and then jump back oh, into bed again dear. to warm the room up. It was that. Cu- we used to get clouds in the bedroom. Clouds inside. Oh, it was awful. Well, it was just so cold. You go, like that, and there'd be a cloud. Oh, it was cold. Clouds. Little I couldn't f- see in front of my face this morning when I left. Very misty. Very foggy. Foggy, is it? Foggy. Very foggy. And you drive along at 20 miles an hour until you get to the motorway, and what do you see? You see a flashing sign that says, Fog. fog. I'll tell you is what I thought. Stating the obvious, is yeah, it? But I've only just thought of it this morning, after all these years of coming into London. London is too dark. Trafalgar Square... I came through earlier on, we drove round it, it's dark. It's too dark. I think it needs to have daylight lighting in it, at night time, in it, in it, it, (laughs) to protect the people there, because there's too many dark corners, there's too many drunks, too many people... It's like people... It would probably help clean the place up a little bit as well. But, of course, it's, it's part of this silly drive to save energy. Yeah. You know, all along the A40... I'd rather save lives. Exactly. It was that All... man who got off the bus who was kicked by those people, yeah. and then they turned the life support off. That was a homophobic right. attack. Because it's dark down there. Mm. And Richard, but... one of our newsreaders, was on the bus this morning. He said, and a girl gets on and comes and sits next to him, and, and he said she's got filthy, dirty hands, and she goes, hello, my name's Beth, and tries to shake his hand. He went, yeah, hello, but I don't want to shake your hand. He said she, she goes and moves somewhere else. What, what are these mentally ill people doing, getting on buses at that time of the morning? Hello, I'm Beth. Have you ever heard anything like it? I always make sure nobody sits next to me. Because the moment people start crying, I go... 
<laughs> like that, and start wheezing up, you know. And I'll tell you, they, they don't come within a mile of the seat. And yes, I hate people eating on the train. I hate it. Yesterday, there's a family of French people. I knew they were French because they were talking French. And, they'd ab- and they're eating burgers on the train. They've got chips, they're dipping. Why can't you just eat at home or sit in a restaurant? Sitting on a train, filthy, f- horrible. Oh, disgusting. It drives me mad. First thing in the morning, people sitting there eating, you know, burgers and stuff like that. Oh, eat at home or get up earlier, for Christ's sake. Drives me mad. Paul. Steve. Um... <laughs> There's some a foul uh, mood this morning. Couple, couple of things here. <laughs> Unfortunate product names oh, that don't we... don't travel. Oh right. <laughs> the uh, Hunt Western Company introduced its Big John products in Canada. This is an American um, brand, and uh, when they translated Big John, it was Gross Joss. But they found out that the uh, French Canadian translation meant big breasts. So, but uh, sales... Hope James Wales not still listening. Sales, sales. <laughs> yeah, we've got a theme running this morning. Sales were not affected, strangely <laughs> enough. And when the Ford Pinto um, went on sale in Brazil, um, they had to change the name because Pinto is Portuguese slang for small. Oh, is it downstairs? Yes. Oh, good lord! And the things you learn. And the best one for me, anyway, was uh, Coca Cola. When Coca Cola expanded into China in the 1920s, the company chose Chinese characters which, when pronounced, would sound like English, the English name for the drink, but it actually meant bite the wax tadpole. <laughs> bite the wax tadpole? Bite the wax tadpole. Oh. But they changed it now, so it means <laughs> good mouth, good pleasure. Oh, lovely. <laughs> well, there you go. That hasn't livened up your Thursday, nothing will. Incidentally, one of the papers was suggesting the other day the new romance in showbiz, wait for this one, Stacey Solomon from The X Factor and Ashton from JLS. As if! As if! <laughs> Do me a favour. The silly little boy who shows his, his body all the time and shows people his bottom is going out with that dingo from Dagenham. Do me a favour. Oh, Ashton. <laughs> oh, it's not going to happen, is it? The X Factor brats say they will win it. No, they won't. What's the special for tonight, chef? Food. Cut your... Morning, team. Nice to be company. Oh, sorry, team. We can't use. Can we? Or morning, we yes. can't use. Yes, we can. For goodness morning. sake. We don't can't do this. Can't use morning? No, morning you can't Prejudicial use. Prejudicial to the afternoon. Yes. Because some people listening, it might not be morning. And they get upset, apparently. People get upset all the time. Uh, I did mention, and this is Paul Savory with us. Good morning. Uh, that the... Uh, I keep calling it the Big Brother house. It's the X Factor house up in Golders Green, which is a very, very nice property. It's only rented for the duration. And it's next door to, I think a house owned by the uh, Chinese ambassador. I think he has the house next door. Consequently, their nice, quiet suburban road is invaded by foul-mouthed, revolting little girls who so far have graffitiized the whole wall at the front of the house. Uh, two yesterday, according to neighbours, were lifting up their tops, exposing their breasts to the uh, boys in the house... Uh, which frightened them because they hadn't seen anything like that before. They're not, you know, people are not used to this kind of thing. But I remember the Bross fans when they were down in Covent Garden when Bross had an office there, and girls would hold up signs. Even when Take That were touring, girls were holding up signs in the audience with stuff I cannot even repeat to you this morning. It was so disgusting. You know what sort of people they are. In about a year's time, they'll be pushing a pram up and down the high street. But they're at the moment outside this house shouting obscenities. All sorts of things to people who are just on a little TV show. The neighbours have had enough and they've said if the worst comes to the worst, they'll bring in their own security and they'll clear the street. They'll fence it off both ends. They're very rich people up there. They're not going to mess around. 
There are lots of very powerful families, and they don't want this kind of trash. And that's exactly what it is. It's lowered the tone of an area. And frankly, if it was next door to me, I'd be complaining. You can't get your car in and out of the drive. They're there 24 hours a day, some of them. Mm. Some of them, as young as nine years old, go up there in the morning just in an effort to see these, these people who can't sing on the television. It's stupid. It's ludicrous. I'm completely sympathetic with you. Sympathetic, what, with, with the neighbours? Yeah. Yes, I yes, yes. totally agree. Totally agree. The twins say we're the only ones working hard. Yes, but you've still got no talent, love. OK, so that's it. Sad that uh, Barbara Windsor has shocked fans by revealing she will quit the soap next year. I think she is, she is EastEnders, but as you say, 15 years. We wouldn't have thought that, would we? No. And, uh, and I don't know what she's going to do. The trouble is we just expect Bar to work. It does make me laugh when you get certain columnists who call her Babs. Close friends of Barbara never call her Babs. They call her Bar. It's as simple as that. That's why it's made me laugh. There is one person in one of the papers who says, my very close friend, Babs Windsor. Wrong. Never Babs. Never Babs. Never, ever, ever. It's Bar. Uh, Jordan has revealed that uh, she's going to get some new boobs. That's nice. Mm. And that's, <laughs> that apparently makes a story. And her little cage fighter cross-dressing boyfriend, who doesn't appear to cage fight ever, uh, is out now doing appearances in nightclubs. Oh. Who on earth would be remotely interested in seeing this person? I cannot imagine. Uh, you're going to go and see the Michael Jackson film, aren't you? On Sunday. Is this racist? The BBC have, re- have been accused of overreacting to a biscuit-related joke. They were talking about what biscuits you would be, and Andrew Neil said that uh, Diane Abbott would be a chocolate hobnob, and he said that Michael Portillo would be a custard cream. A few people complained that that was racist. I mean, you do worry about the sadly deluded in this world who have got nothing better to do it's than write a complaint to the BBC. So the BBC have now bad. taken the programme off their system for fear that somebody else might complain about it. Diane Abbott didn't complain. It's other people sticking their beaky noses in, which has got absolutely nothing to do with them. Isn't it odd? It's nuts. I mean, it is. I mean, <laughs> even Anne Whittaker. one that uh, Gordon Brown couldn't answer. Yes. No, that was his favourite. That was biscuit, his favourite biscuit, yes. Well, Anne, Anne Whittaker has slammed this decision and said the BBC are totally paranoid. And yet, strangely enough, having, you know, axed this uh, particular programme about the hobnob joke, yet they, they keep on the racist comment from Tony Beak and Tom Dubeck. And, uh, and Carol Thatcher gets dismissed, but they keep on. Anton Dubeck, after his racist comments. Nasty little piece of work. And, uh, what's his name? Um, what? The, the one the, with the phone call. I oh, right, yes. Jonathan Ross. Ross. Yes. yes, and Russell Brand, who yes. appears to have made a new career out of it. I know. It's a joke, isn't it? However, they're now saying that the BNP leader, Nick Griffin, could be invited on to future question times. And to be quite yes. honest with you, I don't have a problem with that. Provided it's not turning it. into the Nick Griffin programme and he's there and we can expose him for what he is. Well, it showed him up as a complete buffoon. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. While poking fun at Gordon Brown's apparent refusal to name his own favourite snack, Andrew Neil said, here we have our very own chocolate hobnob and custard cream, Diane Abbott and Michael Portillo. That's what he said. I'm quoting from the paper today. Well, he says, here we have our very own chocolate hobnob and custard cream, Diane Abbott and Michael Patel. There's only two of them in the studio. There's nobody else. I don't think he was saying that at all. I don't think we have to justify and say that he said that... uh, I mean, to be honest with you, it's so stupid, it's not even worth talking about. I can't believe that people even sort of worry about... Put it this way, if he's saying 
And here we have Diane Abbott and Michael Portillo, our very own chocolate hobnob and custard cream. Why didn't he say, here we have our very own Diane Abbott and Michael Portillo, our very own custard cream and chocolate hobnob? But unfortunately, he didn't. And so that, of course, the BBC go, oh, dreadful. Because here we have our very own Paul Savory, a rather thin, crumbly wafer. Thank you. Is that offensive? No. No. It's rather complimentary, actually. It is, actually. <laughs> I, I wish I thought about it differently. I could have thought of something bitter, you know, a big, chunky chocolate hobnob. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Do you know, 150 fat people are taken to hospital every week. I don't, know, I don't know how they get there, but apparently it's because you're eating all this food. Now I'm a fat person, am I? Yeah, you are. Oh. <laughs> OK. Well, there's a picture of a woman pushing a pram, and she's wearing... I, d- I cannot... Uh, oh, God, here we go, you pathetic, <laughs> weak, spineless little chocolate biscuit, you. <laughs> but there's a woman pushing... Because what you're doing now, you're eating all this food. I ate a kebab the other day, and it made me ill for three days. And it was one of those disgustingly revolting, full-of-fat-laden donna kebabs. Oh, Anything else, the other day. fine. Provided it's grilled. If you have a, a grill, didn't go out and get another one. Did you have a doner kebab though? Yes. Oh, this well, one was dripping in fat. Chicken. Half chicken and half um, right. Lamb. Well, this was dripping in fat from a place in Kingston, and a friend of mine said, "Small wonder you're ill. What you've done is lined your stomach with grease." Yeah. And unfortunately, you see them all the time, lining their stomachs with grease, and you only enjoy them when you're drunk. You don't. You don't. You don't eat them any other time. No. It's ridiculous. The trouble is, your stomach's used to. Um, Brussels sprouts <laughs> being boiled for four hours. That's right, pick on me. I think that's... I think I can get you on that one. I think I can get some money. I want £100,000. <laughs> How dare you. Right, I've I'm never... Fat. My feelings are quite hurt. I've never done four hours. Three and a half, maybe. Actually, I, I didn't have Brussels yesterday, but I did have a horrible thing. Day in, off. <laughs> a day off. You know, I've got them. I was going to have them, but at the last minute I thought, I can't be bothered to cook them. I really can't. I've got four hours. I'm going to have some this morning, just to annoy you. Uh, let's have a look at the news headline, shall we? Matthew Schofields. Postal workers have begun a second wave of national strikes. To- Morning, everybody. 6.20 is the time. Still to come, uh, a special event taking place uh, on Remembrance Day, November the 11th, at Central Hall, Westminster. OK. But uh, joining us now is our man in the front row with his bucket of popcorn. It's our very own Roger Frost. Although, to be honest with you, one of the shows this week, I'm surprised you were able to review it, because if you put your head down to make notes, you look up and there's a different person on stage. I know. This is Arturo Brachetti. Rhymes is spaghetti. Yes. <laughs> Poor man. Garrick in this show called Changes. I know. I mean, I, I, it's, it's jaw-dropping, isn't it? Yes. What he does. My jaw dropped, and I, I think it's still there somewhere on the carpet. It hasn't come up since. He's very but clever. I could not believe what I was seeing. It's one of those experiences that I think is totally, utterly unique. I, I just... It's almost impossible to describe what he does, isn't it? But what fun and what entertainment. This yes. is surely... You know, I mean, it's a question of, it's like, really, something, I think, that almost anybody could go and see and enjoy. It could be families, it could be kids, you know, you could, you could be into serious theatre, but you'd still like it. You, you want to see variety come back. Well, he does it. And, and, and it's all about quick changes. Quick changes. I thought, oh, well, he'll come on and change into something or other. You know, he'll, he'll go from uh, Karma Miranda to... Scarlett O'Hara or something like that, but no, I mean, this, this guy it d- does, does it, not only does hundreds of them, but he does them 
almost in front of your eyes, doesn't he? I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing, actually, and this is surely magic of the First Order. I, I, I'm still trying to work out how he comes on at the finale wearing this wonderful black tails and looks absolutely immaculate, and suddenly, in a blink of an eye, the, the entire outfit's white. It's mm. changed to a white suit. It is, it is actually so clever. If the only quick change people have ever seen, uh, uh, Daniel and Darnell, or whatever their names are, yeah. and, and theirs was a blatant rip-off of somebody else's act in, uh, in Russia, then this is... Uh, I mean, Arturo's been doing this for many, many years. Many, many yeah. years. Very clever. It, it, it's down to seconds. I remember seeing him in London with the show Why, of course. He then appeared Why, on right. television here yeah. in The Best of Magic, which yeah. he did with the great Suprendo. Yes, but this is a bit more of a story as yes. well, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's, it's a character looking back on, on his career, so it means he gets the opportunity to do old-fashioned quick changes. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and what they might have done years and years ago, probably in Italy, because this sort of thing seems to be much more popular on the continent than it ever really ever was here. He's, a, he's, told, a, he's a superstar in, in Italy. Yeah, somebody said to me, oh, you know, Ken Dodd fills theatres here wherever he goes, all around the country, even now. Well, Arturo Brichetti's just the same in, in Europe, in America, yeah. or in Canada. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a bit like, I mean, he's on the level of Siegfried and Roy and, and those huge, great Las Vegas entertainers, I think, um, uh, who are able to make lions disappear or whatever. He, he, just, he just astounded me. I, I, I think it's a question of be amazed, be very amazed. It's wonders all the time, isn't it? Well worth just it, I think. Well worth amazing. it for anybody. Uh, there's I only have... one little bit that I didn't quite understand. Well, I mean, I understood it, but a lot of people might not, unless you've uh, not heard of the filmmaker Federico Fellini. Yeah. He does a fairly long piece on, on Fellini, but he, yeah. he definitely wanted that put in there. It was his homage. But it's just man to woman to eat, to everything. It's yeah. just clever. Yeah. Just clever. And, and, and producing flowers out of nowhere at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, what on earth does he do with all the costumes? Because these are not just flimsy old things that he throws on. Oh, these no. are all absolute full costumes with wigs or whatever. Mm. And there must be a stage strewn with costumes at the end of this show. And, of course, somebody at the end, one of the producers said to me afterwards, well, yes, they are. And he actually physically goes round himself because everything has to be immaculate. Mm. Nothing can go wrong. He himself goes around, he picks everything up, he gets it all back. It all has to go back in the right order. Before every show, everything is checked doubly to make sure it's all in the right place so that he can achieve these extraordinary illusions and, and i just think well it takes me hours to change from one thing to another you know in the morning i think oh, how does it take me to get ready it must take him a second half a second or a nanosecond to get out of his pajamas and into whatever he's wearing i mean really what an astonishing thing to see and i think it's one of the wonders of the west end yes i agree somebody said that it's impossible not to like him because he's just got such a happy face well, he has, hasn't he, in that sort of funny little Tintin haircut as well yes, yes. as himself. But it's sometimes impossible to know who he really is, because I, I thought, oh, well, maybe that's a disguise, you know, yeah. and maybe that's a funny little wig or something he's wearing, but no, that's No, that is his hair. <laughs> he's very fit, he's very slim, he's very, I, I mean, apparently he's very strict on his diet. Yes. He's so he can do all these things. He's a man of a million costumes, and I, I, I think, I mean, everybody, anyone interested in, in, you know, a good night out should go and see it, or anyone interested in 
theatre needs to see it because this is the kind of skill and craftsmanship and artistry that you rarely ever see. Yes, it isn't just, as you've seen with David and Dania or whatever, dancing around and she sort of, you know, changes into another flimsy little skirt. He's doing, oh. as, as you say, complete costume changes oh, in, like, a second. Yes, complete. I mean, you know, Scarlett O'Hara, then, then he's Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, yeah. and then he does a whole routine of something. I mean, it's just one thing after another. Very clever. And, uh, and really, I mean, it's, it's artistry uh, and, uh, and, and tricks and magic. He puts, he puts some magic into magician, doesn't he? It? Yes. It's magic. Well, it he, he's, magic. he's always loved magic, and in fact, when he did Y, there was magic in, in Y as well, and he's, he's interspersed yeah. it in here, but it's, it's now got this, this box on stage which revolves and opens up, and yes. the lighting effects and the sound and things like that. It's very cleverly done, very clever. An amazing finish. When, yes. When I, I, he seems to be able to rise into the air and twirl around and vanish in front of your very eyes. I've had now, days like that. I don't, I, well, I, <laughs> I noticed Paul Daniels was there, and even he was gobsmacked. I mean, yeah. he would know how all this is done, I presume, but being a master magician himself, but, I mean, he looked completely astounded by this, right. and I think, um, what, what great, a great thing to go and see over Christmas as well. Yeah, so, so definitely, go see it, because, uh, he doesn't yeah. come over here very often, and to be honest with you, for a man of 52, he looks about 32. Is he 52? He's I 52. Didn't that. Yeah. I didn't think of him as being in his... Because he said to me, because I, I went to see him backstage, and he said, uh, but we are, we are similar age, Steve. And I said, I think you'll find I'm a bit older than you are. <laughs> but he looks better. <laughs> he looks tons better. I must mention just, just very briefly, apart from the fact that it is a fantastic show, and it's at the Garrick, which is just behind uh, where we are at the moment. Yeah. I must mention this Charles Hawtrey show, if only oh, for the fact that it's being played by a woman. I know. Charles Hawtrey was in the carry-ons. Yes, the Charles Hawtrey yeah. uh, that we all knew and loved and <laughs> were amazed by. He, it's a homage to, or a homage, An homage. Uh, to Charles Hawtrey at the Battersea Arts Centre starting on the 1st of December. And it's Amanda Lawrence, an actress. I looked at it first and I thought, oh, a homage to Charles Hawtrey. And then I saw in small print, performed by Amanda Lawrence. How strange. Oh, yes, she's doing Charles Hawtrey, and it's a one-woman show, and she's telling his life story. So I can't wait to go and see this, because in a way, I think it, it, he's kind of... Well, I mean, what a fascinating story. Absolutely. That's Listen, all I've got to leave it there. I'll, we'll, we'll talk more about this next week, though. Yes, OK. All right, look forward to it. Thank you, Roger. This is LBC Night... 27 minutes to uh, 7. Roger, our pleasure... Uh, that's the clue in the title. Change. I thought we'd just better explain that to you now, in case you maybe hadn't heard. Uh, right. Alexander says, because yesterday, Gordonsville, for, uh, for Matthew, did, um, did quite, quite well. Hello? Quite well. Quite, quite well. <laughs> I was there. It did quite well. Yes, I know, I know you were well. there. Sorry, we, we weren't. Um, it did, it did quite well. Quite well, yeah. or well? Uh, it, well, it won. Right, so that's not quite well, is it? That's well. Well, OK, that's sort of well, yes, Quite right. well insinuates maybe it came second or third. OK. And I could have won if I'd gone each way. But yeah. I didn't. I went on the nose and it won, so I did well. Very pushy in the morning. Ooh. I hope you're not... Are you Mr Grumpy every day? I am never grumpy. You mustn't be grumpy. <laughs> I'm not going to give you... In fact, I've, I've only got chocolate biscuits today. Oh, well, you see, I, as you know, I'm the only person in the world that doesn't like chocolate. You don't do chocolate, do you? Yeah. funny. And I'm not opening the mince pies just yet, unless you get one tomorrow. If you get a 
a winner tomorrow, I'll open the new mince pies. Oh, now there is an incentive. There you go. Because at this rate, you know, you are looking for being fully clothed at Christmas. <laughs> because <laughs> Alex had giant sequoia, third out of 13. Mm. So he lost £2, £13, 15 Gordonsville won, tote returned £13.20. Your Whoa. profit, £11.20. £11? £11.20. Yeah, it's all right. It's okay, you know, so you did quite well. You you tried to hide that, didn't you? Yeah, I, I oh, didn't. Oh, you thought you'd brush that under the carpet. <laughs> didn't want £11. Yes, £11. Pa- no, £11.20. <laughs> so your total loss now, £55.66. It's <laughs> plummeting. <laughs> it's, it's at this rate, I'll be owing him money. I like that. Yeah, I thought you might. So today we're off to Lingfield. Mm. The 210, Arty Crafty. Oh, nice. Arty crafty. Uh, they also go uh, on the flat at Wolverhampton and over the jumps at Newcastle and Stratford. Uh, the 2.30 at Newcastle for me. Go be jolly. Go be jolly. Go yes. On. Go be jolly. Exactly. OK, I like the sound of that. That's my, you know, it's, yeah. it's my mantra in life, that. I think it's going to come about second. You think it'll come? Well, I'm always a bit, you know, tenuous about the jumps. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm They're an unknown bit... quantity, those, They are those, a bit, aren't hedges. they? Yeah. Yes. Because sometimes, if the horses go, I'm re- I can't be bothered. Exactly. And they get there, and they say, I'm not jumping that. Mm. I'm, I'll go round it. Yeah. And if you build a bridge, I'll go over it, but I'm not yeah. going to jump it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, we'll keep our fingers crossed. We will. And then we shall, uh, we shall find out. To- if, if, if you have the winner tomorrow, I'll open the new box of mince pies. Good. Okay, with the whiskey in. Yes. There's two of those, and you're, you're, you're good for the rest of the day. <laughs> I am. You are. Keeps me going. All right, kid. We'll talk tomorrow. See you. Thank you. There's lovely Matthew Schofield. Very grumpy sometimes, honestly. I've only got to say to him, he did quite well, and immediately he's on me like a ton of bricks. It's not normal, is it? I must mention very briefly this, this thing that Roger Foss was talking about, jiggery-pokery, an homage to Charles Hawtrey, performed by a lady. Yeah. Charles Hawtrey, you remember, was in the, the carry-ons... Strange enough, the carry-ons had a thing whereby Charles Hawtrey was actually portrayed as straight. Because if you remember in carry-on camping, every time a beautiful girl was like, and yes. he sort of poured all over them, you think, no, I don't think this is very likely. But he was so camp, that was the joke. That was the joke, yes. <laughs> and very funny was, too, big star with the Will Hay movies, uh, drank to excess. In fact, he was barred from more pubs than anybody else. They didn't want him in there because he was a bad drunk. He would try and pick people up in these uh, straight bars and they didn't want to go home with him. Taxis refused to take him home. And then he'd call the taxi round to send them out to go and get him a bottle of whiskey or whatever it was. Then there was a fire at his house. Then gangrene set in, but he refused to have his legs amputated. Uh, He used to write to the BBC constantly asking for work, but pretending to be somebody else. And uh, I think he played Lady Bracknell. At one point, well, he's certainly he certainly dressed up as a woman. <laughs> I'm I'm convinced. So Amanda Lawrence is going to be playing. He he died um, some years ago now, 1988. Yeah. But I remember distinctly because uh, he he didn't really get any work, and yet in his day he was he was a great talent. He was sort of on the line of, and the the, the carry-ons would never have been the same without that that combination of Joni Sims and Charles Hawtrey and Kenneth Williams, all the people who aren't here. So when you look at Barbara quitting EastEnders, I mean, she's she's last of the line. She is last of the line, so Bar, good luck for that. It's been a long time coming, and I uh, hope you'll occupy your time. I'm sure young, young Barry will sort out some stuff for you. Paul. Steve. Government officials raided the home of a 12-year-old schoolboy because his TV aerial was interfering with planes landing at Luton Airport. 
Nikki Chamberlain, had used the booster device for two years to watch cartoons, music channels and Big Brother on his 14-inch television in his bedroom. <laughs> but an Ofcom official turned up at his home in Linsdale in Bedfordshire and confiscated the £15 aerial, which he said was affecting planes landing at the airport. According to Ofcom, pilots coming in to land at the airport had lost contact with the control tower because the faulty aerial was transmitting on the same frequency as the cockpit radios. His father, who's a DHL operations manager, said he couldn't believe the tiny aerial could affect aeroplanes flying over his house. Be warned, just in case. Uh, Nick Ferrari's going to be talking about a woman today who claimed... £52,000 of disability benefits, of which she was entitled to nothing. Mm. She did it, uh, she said, to buy clothes for her children. Uh, strangely enough, uh, she's walked free. They're not asking for the money back either. The message it sends out is, rip them off as much as you can, because there's no chance of you going to prison. There is no chance of you being convicted. There is no chance of anything happening at all, because quite clearly the people running the benefits offices are complete and utter idiots, because it must be that easy. She made up children. She made... I mean, how you just... Perhaps I should just walk in there and go, I've got six children, and we... At one point, they gave her a cheque for £52,000. Back benefit. Benefit, they said that they're sorry they should have given her. And so she spent it on clothes, quite, quite rightly. Because if they're stupid enough to give her the money, she's stupid enough to go and spend it. £52,000, and they don't have to pay it back. It's that easy to rob... The, uh, the benefit system now, because every day I open up the papers, there's somebody else who's robbed, and somebody else, and they've gone, right, we, we give you a nine-month sentence suspended for two years. And you think, well, it's well worth robbing them. So not. my advice to everybody is, rob as much as you can, for the simple reason that unless they tighten up the benefit system... And in fact, strangely enough, guess who's saying she should keep the money? None other than Ian Duncan Smith... He's saying, exactly, the Conservatives saying, yes, uh, she shouldn't um, have, have not claimed that money. What they should do is change the benefit system. Well, we're all for changing the benefit system. Well, but... it's been like this for years. There's, there's people, every time I open up the paper, have been ripping off the benefits. And they go, we should tighten up the benefit system. You know why? There's too many bent people working in the benefits offices who can fiddle this. Somebody comes in, if I know you and you go, oh, so I'm putting this down, and I go, OK, I'll put that down for you. It's so easy to do, mm. and people then get, well, how, do, how does this happen? And you think, because they don't vet staff. They, ju they just get jobs in there, and people can walk away with this money. And then at the end they go, well, I had to... I mean, at one point, there was a woman the other day in the paper. She pretended her son was seriously ill. She made him ill, so that every time the people came round, he looked ill. He was perfectly healthy, but she fed him drugs to make him ill, so she could claim benefit on him. And she claimed thousands. Thousands, and, and you think... What sort of sick people are they? Well, that is sick. She should be locked up. Well, it's... I mean, I just, every time I open up the, the paper... Money, but what, what, for what she was doing to her son. Yes, exactly. But this woman pretended some of her children had debilitating illnesses, which they didn't, claimed some of them had diabetes, motor neuron, everything, just to claim benefit. I mean, she's a fraud. She should go to prison. The children go into care. You know, you screw up the system, we screw up your life. Simple as that. I don't really see this... this ridiculous scenario we have here. Oh, Victoria Beckham is launching shoes and handbags. Lovely. She's sick to death of going out, wearing people's shoes and handbags, and they get the benefit. Being, of course, so money-minded, Vic has decided she's going to wear her own so people will buy her own range. She said, because every time I go out wearing, you know, shoes and handbags from Hermes, sales of their stuff go up. There's no evidence to suggest this at all, of course. She's just coming up with the idea that she wants to make even more money.
I don't know why. I don't see... I mean, do you, re- you don't really believe in your own mind, do you, that Vic Beckham can actually design a pair of shoes? I mean, with what experience? She was a girl going nowhere who happened to join a band where she was the least successful. Now she's the most famous. Wasn't she a what? A cobbler? A cobbler. Her father was an electrician. I don't think she was a cobbler. That's, that's the thing. They go, she's designed a handbag. Oh, I'll tell you what we'll have. We'll have something that roughly looks square and it'll open at the top and you put things in it. It's got a lining and, you know... Because handbags now can cost up to £20,000. Who in their right mind, unless you're completely deluded or you're a benefit fraudster, would spend twenty grand on a handbag? Mad, it is. It? I cannot imagine. What, what's the most expensive item you've ever bought, Paul? Oh, probably the car or the, ha- well, the house. No, a, of an course, item of but... an item. Whereas women will buy handbag and they'll say, "Oh, I spent this is a sh- pair of shoes from Jimmy Choo, and this is two and a half thousand pounds for a pair of shoes." I mean, I spent nine hundred pounds on a suit once. Yeah, that's a <laughs> that's a suit. That's okay. <laughs> well, I thought that was really outrageous. Yeah, and, uh, only the ones. Yeah, I spent six hundred pounds on a leather jacket. I thought that was quite a lot. Mm. Quite a lot. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really a spendthrift. You know, you and I are, are great exponents of Marks and Spencers. And, yes. And we live in that place. Although we, James O'Brien said to me the other day, he, he looked at my jacket and he said, I can tell that's not Marks and Spencers. Mm. Which that was very good of him, because he's not normally good at spotting anything at all. <laughs> but, he's, but he spotted that. So, £900 for a suit. So you're that's Primark okay. now. Sorry? Primark? Yeah. I've never bought anything in Primark. That's my proud boast. I've never bought anything in Primark, and hopefully never will. I'm sure it's absolutely delightful, but I get the impression it's more for girls and women than it is for men. It's, it's a girls-type shop. They just want to buy flannel for a pound. This is LBC 97. Steve Allen. Nick Ferrari this morning, after the news at 7, doing the papers today. Andrew Pearce... Assistant Editor of the uh, Daily Telegraph. So they're going to be talking about this mother of 12, should she have gone to jail for the benefit fraud. I mean, it's not like it's £1,000. It's 52000 As far as I'm concerned, you know that you're fiddling the system. You know that you're illegally taking it away from people who should be entitled to it and who are doing it genuinely. I've had no end of emails from people uh, who say it makes it so difficult for genuinely disabled people to claim benefit with this old crook here and she's just walked away and she can keep the money. What message does it send there? Answer, fiddle away, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Also, uh, can you stomach the BNP on question time every year? Yes, says Nick Jones, former BBC political correspondent. No, says Andia Bhattacharya, who's spokesman for the United Against Fascism. I think, listen, they're an elected party. They've got a million people voting. Stick them on it. Let them hang themselves. But, you know, as long as it's not a Nick Griffin programme, we're all right. Which he did. I can't believe that he was complaining that he wasn't given a fair yes. crack of the whip. I mean, the man just came across as a complete idiot. Yes. And um, had, without any policy or any idea of what he was going to do, except he, he just didn't want anybody that wasn't white in the country. Yes, that, that seemed to be the basic. It didn't actually deal with anything else apart from that. Apart from that. Dee says you can buy an outfit, shoes and jewellery, Included for a tenner in Primark. Oh, shoes and jewellery. Shoes and jewellery. <laughs> I'm going to look smart at the LBC photo session. My last buy was a Dolce & Gabbana jacket, says D. I'm too scared to unpick the pockets, never mind wear it. Because that's what happens. That's a, a good quality jacket has got the pockets sewn up. And the idea is that you don't unpick them. Because once you start putting items in there... They it, stretch. It stretches and it, sh- it changes the... Because some people said to me, it hasn't got any pockets. I've got... No, they're, they're sewn up. You can just put it, get a little, you know, pair of scissors and unpick the pockets. 
Well, they, they, well, they, they, they put pockets in there, but they're for aesthetic purposes. Well, just in case you're really, really, really posh, yeah. and then you do unpick them and use them. Yeah. A bit, but very rarely do you unpick... I've actually got, got suits that I haven't, haven't unpicked the pockets at all. I haven't unpicked the pockets or two. I haven't unpicked the pockets or two. Anyway, um, down at the... Uh, sorry, the Central Hall Westminster... Yes. They've got a Remembrance Day concert on the 11th of November. It's part of a tour by an American organisation, and uh, it's called Healing for the Nations. It's part of this uh, concert series, and it's got all sorts of people. Broadcaster Andrew Neal and Michael York are hosting it. They've got 300 members of the Chorale and Symphony Orchestra. They've got uh, the Beckenham Concert Band, the Brighton City Singers, the Capital Chorus, the Hampstead Sinfonietta, the Royal Free Music Society, the South London Choir, several distinguished uh, conductors, and they do everything. Music from Rogers and Hammerstein, which, strangely enough, is the biggest grossing estate mm. of people who are no longer with us. Last year, the estate of Rogers and Hammerstein, because people go, Michael Jackson. No, Michael Jackson's way, way down the list. You know, way down even after Elvis Presley. Oh, no, he's above Elvis Presley. I think Michael's so far 90 million, Presley about $50 million a year. Rogers and Hammerstein, $234 million. But is there room for an audience after that lot? Well, to be honest, have you ever been to Central or Westminster? Yes. It's, it's, it's got a quite big bit where the organ is mm. and all the seating there. So this is on the 11th of November... Uh, and it's, it really looks fantastic. It sounds wonderful. Sounds like they're doing everything from Yankee Doodle Dandy medley to Skater's Waltz. Um, they're doing Ode to Joy, uh, Hands Across the Sea, Land of Hope and Glory, Sound of Music. They've got poetry and narration. Uh, it sounds fantastic. So Central Hall, Westminster. If you don't know where it is, Parliament Square. It's very, very easy to find. Very, very easy to find. So uh, give them a check out. You'll find that online. Central Hall, Westminster, Storiesgate, London, SW1. And that's November the 11th. And uh, with, a, with an orchestra and chorus, if you're not doing anything, and for Remembrance uh, Day, it sounds really good fun. And, of course, we all need to uh, rush out and buy our poppies. Yes. And support the I want British to see more region. people. And Paul has a poppy on the front of his car. I dropped I my poppy this morning, so I bought another one when There's I came one in over here. There. Small price to pay, as far as I'm concerned, for what people gave. Couple of quid here, couple of quid there. It's absolutely nothing. Spend more than that on a kebab. Well, some of them couldn't possibly give more, could they? No. It is true. That's why I like going to the Festival of Remembrance at the Royal Albert Hall. Mm. It's, the, it's the most moving thing you'll ever do in your entire life. If you can get a ticket, get a ticket. You'll never see anything like it in your entire life. It's just fantastic. Paul. Steve, beer lovers are being given the chance to take the plunge in a health spa pool filled with 42,000 pints of lager. Spa bosses in Austria, (laughs) strangely in Starkenburg, claim that the beer can treat skin conditions, blood circulation and can even help cure wounds. The spa, part of a local brewery, there's the clue, uh, contains seven 13-foot-long pools filled with beer which you can even ask to be served chilled or heated. Oh. Bathers can try drinking the bathwater, but head barman Marcus Arman said, I'd rather swim than swallow, as we have not enough uh, cold beer on tap at the bars next to the pools. The pools really can help some health problems, but if they don't work for you, you'll probably have drunk enough not to care about it anymore, he said. Beer bath bosses um, reckon warm beer is best for health cures, and bathers sit in cut-down lager barrels. Oh, my goodness. Can't think of anything worse. No, I hate I the smell of beer. Can't, imagine beer all over your body. 
Well, they used oh. to be a shampoo. Do you remember they used to buy it? Yes, a, a, yes. For, for no money in a huge bottle. Sometimes it came in a in a, in a thing that looked like a beer, beer barrel. Beer barrel, yes. Beer shampoo. We used to use Wright's Coal Tar Soap. Do you remember that stuff? Yes. And at the moment I'm using, for my luxuriant locks, Vosine. Vosine. I tell you for why. Exactly. I go into the chemist, or I go into, if, if I was, if, if, if we've got a chemist in Twickenham that, that's old fashioned, but it's kind of modern. So it's got every shampoo. I've got no idea in goods what I'm looking for. Do I want jojoba? Do I need something no, that's. No, no, no. You need to use the one that I'm using at the moment, which is Molten Brown Roy, Rose Moisture Surge. <laughs> Rose moisture That's why my locks are so silky. You see, smooth. I have different hair from you. You know, I mean, I don't know if I've got dry yes, hair, you have. greasy hair. <laughs> Shut it. I don't know what my hair is, and I spend. You know, I can stand in goods going along the line and think. I don't know what I've got. Do I want sort of soft flyaway hair, or That's do it. I? That's the one. <laughs> Extra hold. <laughs> Extra hold. What to stop it flying away? Yes. Not very nice, is it? <laughs> a little bit worried. I want hair like um, Philip Schofield's. So grey. <laughs> grey. Peter Andre said he admires Philip Schofield, because Peter Andre's a serious musician, but he's hosting this morning, I think. It's either tomorrow or something, and next week they're going to let him loose on Paul O'Grady. This is a man with no presenting experience whatsoever. It makes a complete mockery of the system. Absolutely. A man who exploits his children, a man who's talked endlessly about his boring, dreary marriage to the equally boring and dreary Jordan, and he's now hoping to follow in Peter... Sorry, to, to follow in uh, Philip Schofield's footsteps by presenting this morning. Whereas he cannot do it. He's not a presenter. I've seen him doing his own programme. It's mm. pitifully awful, I'm afraid. But at least he's got a very good agent mm. who will uh, do it. And don't forget Peaches Geldof nodding off during a documentary, The World's Most Useless Woman. I think that's, that's tonight. That's tonight. I mean, that's another thing that makes me angry. But uh, there you go. Thank you to Bryn and Annie for sending me the uh, Lady Rattling's uh, brochure for their uh, dinner. My God, what a, f- what a smashing... Smashing booklet, it really is, and a nice picture. So, Bryn and Annie, thank you for that very much indeed, and I shall no doubt see you at the Royal Lancaster for the, um, for the other ball with Graham, which I think I'm going to be at. I think so. I've been invited to two balls this year. It's not normal for me at all, I'm afraid. Not normal. Have you got a quick one? Uh, yes. Uh, a traditional British lemonade has got uh, American anti-booze campaigners in a real fizz. Critics in Maine have called for under-21s to be banned from buying the drink after a teenager confessed to a teacher that his bottles of Fenneman's Victorian lemonade was 0.5% alcohol. The bottle was promptly confiscated and the police and even the state attorney-general have become involved. Protesters were concerned about the drink's alcohol content and the traditional bottles, which claim they made the brand look like imitation liquor. Oh, dear. Gets worse and worse, doesn't it? There's nothing you can do nowadays. Every time you open, you open up the papers, there's another another story. Uh, front page of the Sun this morning. It's the Queen of the Queen Vic quitting EastEnders. Uh, Robbie Williams apparently wants to sell his mansion that he bought a short while ago when he thought he could sit there and look for UFOs in the sky. And they say he wants to flee Britain before winter sets in, so he wants to sell it quickly. So the paper are claiming he's dropped a million quid. What we quite honest, why doesn't he just rent it out? Uh, they say he's had a number of offers. I don't believe it. It took long enough to sell this one. And the reason I know is because I also looked at it. 
I just didn't have £7 million pounds <laughs> at the time, OK? But I said a, a, a lottery win was imminent. They didn't believe me. Paul, we'll no. see you next week. Yes. Pleasure as always. That's Paul Savory. And you can catch up with us on the uh, podcast. I'm back with you tomorrow morning. Don't forget, do podcast. Please podcast. I don't, I don't want to sound like a little pleader this morning, but uh, if you do, it'll make us all very happy. Nick's with you after the news, which is next on LBC. If you're a small business looking for a new place,